greetings, and welcome back to another episode of No Thank You Please. It is I, Carissa, one of your co-hosts, uh, and this week I am de-friggin-lighted to be interviewing slash chatting slash drinking wine with none other than Miss Aline Bahor. Hello. I am honored to be drinking wine here and on this podcast, so let it be known that this is perhaps the... Probably the first week in maybe four months since I've worn pants to record this podcast. Proud of you. I did it for you. I'm I'm out of words. Speechless. They're great pants, by the way. Thank you. Um, okay, so, Areen, I, I know a lot about you. Too much. Probably. But <laughs> for those of you who do not know uh, this magnificent woman who with whom I've introduced two people at work as the wind beneath my wings... Um, Classic, but tell me about yourself. Tell the listeners about yourself. Oh boy. Uh, let's see. Well, my name is Irene. They already know that. I am Palestinian. Um, working with Carissa, so a lot of feelings about that I'm sure we'll share. Um, I am currently a solution engineer um, at Y Systems with um, Carissa. I work at the same company. Uh, before that, I was a um, project manager in a healthcare tech company. And before that, I was an undergrad at MIT, and that's the reason I moved to the U.S. So I feel like that sums it up, professionally at least. It, it does, but I feel like we need to tell the narrative of how Corrine, Carissa and Irene, came to be. I can't stress. It's a new relationship, truly a new love, uh, one that is born in a pandemic, and that is actually what the topic of today's conversation is going to be. It's going to be a bit more about friendship. Um, especially when you're in your 20s and you move to a new city and you accidentally live in an apartment next to your coworker. Accidentally? Is that what we're going with? I mean, I didn't know you lived here and I was also really afraid to tell you when I moved here. Yeah, I, f- I feel like that is, despite how much our friendship has grown, um, I feel like I'm still a little bitter about that. You took 24 hours to tell me that you are here. That's true. So the first night that I, or the first day that I drove up here to Boston from New Jersey, I didn't tell anybody that I was leaving. Or I told people that I was leaving, but I didn't tell anyone that I was coming up that that day. Um, And I didn't know if you hated me or not, or you were just nice to me at work. And like, I felt like I was bothering you all the time. Why did you feel like you were bothering me? Because I knew nothing about my job. I I also told you like every day the last week before you moved to tell me when you're here. But I feel like that's something that you would just say because you're nice. It's true. I would say it because I'm nice. Exactly. But I did mean it. I did mean it. Sure. So I (laughs) made... Sure. So I like chilled in my apartment with nothing for like days. God, you didn't have a bed. You slept on your floor, if I recall. No, yeah, I had a yoga mat, and, like, I ate bagged salad, which is kind of similar to what I do now, actually. It's true. It's true. I did have a couch and a fridge, so let the record chill. If you had made better choices about telling me about your presence in this wonderful city, you would have had better choices then. Um, perhaps. But, I mean, okay, so I go from being, like, terrified to tell you that I'm in the city uh, to seeing you the second night getting drunk with you at the Abbey, which will come into play later on as, like, truly a key setting for our friendship. That is true. Um, And now we're at the point where I text you everything that kind of comes through my brain, 
to the point where we will be having simultaneous conversations both via Slack, DM on Instagram, and text. And in person sometimes also. Yeah, that happens. Simultaneously. I don't love that one because it makes me real confused. I mean, we have a lot happening. Different avenues. Um, when we say we have a lot happening, today I texted you about a DMV appointment, so sure. It's true. I can't believe how long the wait is, but yeah. I think it's the right way. But I digress. The one thing that I actually do want to go a bit more into, especially as we preface this idea of friendship, um, you mentioned that you actually moved to the U.S. from Palestine um, to pursue undergrad at MIT, correct? That is correct. So I want to start there. Oh, boy. Yes, I want to understand a little bit, like, how do you make that decision? Because that's a huge decision that people make right going to college, moving away from home for the first time. But you really moved away from home. That I did. But how do you not make that decision, given that opportunity? Fear. Straight well, up fear. I mean, fair. I'm, are you kidding? Fair. Um, yeah, well, I knew about the U.S. I was born here, uh, my grandparents live here, so I always knew that I would come to the U.S. to study, um, because I just, I don't know, was an experience that I always knew I wanted to be part of my, I guess, adult life, I don't know, was I even an adult then? Am I an adult now? I don't know. Part of my life in general. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had never been to Boston, actually, so I did make the decision to come to a school in a city that I had never seen, and mm -hmm. I didn't have the opportunity to come visit before, so kind of came a little bit blind, but, um, it was a huge opportunity, um, I really was looking forward to go somewhere that will challenge me to go to a big city that's not as, you know, as big as New York, but it's not a small town either, um, I did have some family here, so I had some level of support, but yeah, it was kind of, what do they say? Like a, an offer I couldn't refuse. Is that the, from the Godfather? What do they say? I don't know. I don't understand pop culture stuff. There's something. There's something. People will know. The people will know. The people will know. The people so, will know. Yeah. And so you went to MIT. Did you go knowing that you were going to study chemical engineering? Oh, no. I didn't know what I wanted to study. Um, I. How did you land on that? Oh. <laughs> um, process of elimination? You just went through, you're like, fuck it, I'm going to take the entire Rolodex of all the majors that are offered here. I'm just going to go through them one by one. But actually. Are you kidding me? That is exactly what I did. That also sounds spot on to what you would do. That is exactly what I did. Um, well, I just started with the engineering school. I knew I wanted to do engineering, so I just looked at the list of the engineering offerings, and I looked at which one was the least commitment to a career, like a specific career. So I basically looked up all the recent alums and where they went after MIT. And chemical engineering, for some reason, had the most like diverse post-college um, post careers. Like some people went to consulting, some people went to finance. And I was like, this is me choosing a major without really choosing a life. Uh, exactly. Um, do you, yeah. In hindsight, do we think that it's because maybe no one knows what to do with a chemical engineering major if you don't want to go into chemical engineering? 100% possible. My advisor told me the same thing and stubborn me still wanted it. So here we are. Well, you know, like, uh, but the thing is that I resonate so much with that. That's why I chose applied math in the engineering school too. Well, kind of. Was it process of elimination too? Um, no, it was a little bit more. You mentioned like your advisor said like not to do it. Oh. It was more so that I've always actually been kind of, like, good enough at math, but never great. So I was always, like, the stupidest smart kid. Does that make sense? That does make sense. But I feel like that's what you and I choose in life. Because right. we don't want to be 
like the smartest kid in the room because then oh, I'd be bored. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, there are some people that just get math and I am, pro- I, I am not one of them. I am good at knowing enough math, similar to how I'm good at knowing enough engineering in my current role. I wish I could say the same. I don't think I know enough chemical engineering, <laughs> but I made it nonetheless. So we go from studying chemical engineering basically as a I will do what I want, senior advisor, um, to then you worked for Athena. Yes. Um, that was not process of elimination. I was going to ask. That was fear. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't want to leave Boston. Okay. I didn't want to do like oil and gas or pharmaceuticals or the traditional paths that you take post-chemical engineering. Almost went to Dubai, but then freaked out about the idea of moving back to the Middle East. Uh, so somebody was just telling me about how cool Athena's campus was and how it felt like a startup, even though it was still like, it was a bigger company at that point. Um, and I got the job and I took it also like at MIT, everybody knows what they want to do by like October of senior fall. That was stressful. That is. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so stressful. So like by April, I was like, I'm, I'm signing. That sounds (laughs) terrible actually. Um, when, so I guess like, how did that? How did that work for you? Because you then lived and you still live in the same city that you went to school in. How have your friendships, I guess, changed since then? And are you still friends with people at school? Uh, yes and no. It's, it is really weird to stay in the city that you went to college in and then have everybody or almost everybody leave. Right. Because, you know, the cool kids went to California, New York, wherever. Exactly. Everyone disperses afterwards. Exactly. Um, especially in Boston, I feel like it's very much like an academic town, so a lot of people leave. Bunch Although there are great, like great job opportunities, but bunch of nerds. Yeah, true. But love them. I'm one of them. She's wearing glasses that confirm that. Correct. I love them. Correct. It's like sexy librarian vibes up in here. So I have thirty days to return. You're not returning <laughs> we're, them. We're still thinking about you it. You are not returning them. Um, but yeah, so it was it was weird. Um, I have a few close friends from college that remained here, and when I say a few, I literally mean like one or two um, that I'm still in touch with. But the rest, we fell out of touch a little bit, and I kind of had to learn how to make friends. And I guess like for me, I know, and most people in my life know, that making friends is easier said than done. But when I came here in particular, and when I met you and I started to see your life, I thought that that, I would have assumed that that is something that came very naturally to you. Like you are the wind beneath my wings and also the social butterfly of uh, the Boston, Cambridge, Somerville area. I love how eloquently you put it. You could have just said, I talk to everything that moves or doesn't move. Or doesn't move. It's really like not the prerequisite that we need for this. It's still harder said than done, I would say. Yeah? Yeah. I feel, I am a social person. I admit that. It's it's easy for me to talk to strangers. Um, maybe too easy. But um, Carissa is making a face at me. But Honestly, the amount of wrinkles that I'm going to acquire in my life is from hosting this podcast and working. It's the same dubious look. It's the same dubious look. It is. Like, apathy mixed with confusion. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, but I guess, like, uh, let me take a step back, actually. Paint me a picture. Paint me like one of your French girls. No. Paint me a picture of your life pre-COVID. Like pre, like your social life. What was a day in the life or week in the life? 
pre so recently so just pre-covid like after i struggled and then successfully made friends or oh okay so there was a struggle like when i I say this i honestly like (laughs) i can't imagine that point in your life because i know you now that's that's fair so the struggle was really the year after graduating i was traveling a lot my job was like a monday to thursday sort of travel all my friends left i was really here two three days a week i don't know how you make friends in that environment yeah um, so I would just, which is still kind of my life pre-COVID, I would pack my days. It's still my COVID life too. Just the activities have changed. Um, but yeah, so I used to, I got just involved in everything that I could. Um, so I filled my time with some volunteer work with the like Boston Palestine Film Festival. I started going to like some dance classes here and there. Um, so just really filled any and all times I had and then hung out with a few people that I did know. And then eventually I did enough things and like met enough people through these activities that I created a whole new social network in Cambridge, which I'm very proud of. Yeah. Um, and that leads us to Irene post-COVID, uh, pre-COVID. Um, I would literally go to work. Uh, that's also before our current job. Mm-hmm. So I would go to work. It was like a, when I, whenever I was in traveling, it would be like a, a nine to five, just like a... So not at all like our current job. Not at all like not our current Not at all job. like our current Try job. Try to be chill about it. There's no chill. Um, this is no chill. And then the way I describe it is I would go home, maybe take a nap or like a shower or something, have coffee and literally start the day again. That The shower and nap and coffee are important indication for starting the day again. Yeah, it's like morning round two. Literally. Okay. And then I would go to dance class, then I would go meet up with friends for dinner. I never cooked at home. I still never cook at home. Um, And I would literally fill my day until it's time to go to bed, wake up, start again. And it sounds stressful to most people. It sounds so stressful. that is my ideal day. That is absolutely my ideal day. So how do you do that though? Like the, I guess like, what's the word? Calendar wise? organization like the amount of hours in a day yes that sounds terrible to me but how did you do that whole like navigating different friend groups because it even sounds like you said like you got to know folks through like the film festival through dancing somewhere from school like how do you how did you and I guess like do you continue to struggle with that like bridging of like okay I maybe have friends now that aren't all in my classes like the way we did in college yeah I think that was hard. That still is hard. Like, you have different, I guess, categories or, or yeah. environments that group you with people. And I think because I am that person that jumps from one to the other to the other, mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much I feel that some of them may be, I guess, incompatible, for the lack of a better word. Um, so, in a way, they are siloed. Like, I... Uh, I'm going to sound like an insane human. But I feel like I just have, like, Mondays I do this with these people. Oh, Tuesdays. no, you're very regiment. I mean, yeah, but I, like that makes me sound so spontaneous. Again, if it, if it talks like a duck and walks like a oh, duck. Oh God! No, I joke. But I think <laughs> the the reason I bring that up is because something that I've always struggled with is like having that level of like incongruous friendships where maybe I have friends and not okay. I'm saying friends is like the plural. It's like singular. I have a friend who I know from X occurrence, or I have a friend. Uh, that I can hang out with in this capacity, but I'm always so nervous to bring them together. Um, I think one, because I recognize that the friendships that I've now made in particular throughout my twenties are a lot easier to bridge because I'm, I'm more proud of the person that I am now, but say it's like a friend from when I was in high school or college, I think I would like be so nervous because they know a very different Carissa than than currently, and I, I could, I guess, an, anal, 
and now I, whatever, like push that back to when I was a kid, but I don't have friends from then. Like I don't have high school friends. I have high school acquaintances. Yeah. I mean, I guess that sounds bad. I don't try, I guess, to put them all in the same room. But that's also okay. But, yeah, that's, I, but what happens at like a big life event? They will eventually meet. I don't plan on getting married and I hope that everyone attends my funeral and understands their rightful place in it. It concerns me so much how many times your funeral comes up in our conversations. If anyone knows me, 30, flirty, and fucking thriving. <laughs> um, but I think I've been trying to work on that. And I actually have conversations with my friends, and you are one of them. We have talked about this, on how to be better and not feeling that responsibility of yeah. bridging the gap. Like, if both parties or groups are my friends, then there are things in common between me and them and me and other people. And I feel like it becomes their responsibility to get along with each other should they please should they please i say that now because that's what rationally makes sense but if i try to do it in practice that gives me anxiety right for sure and and i i wonder too like because there's this whole narrative and i don't know if it's a narrative that i fully buy into of having like a group right like like that was something i think that's indoctrinated in us from the media we consume when we're younger the idea like fuck it like the brats uh, Winks Club, those are like power. It's always three and four too. Like right. that's the magic number. It's always mo- like it's it's never. And if it is like one person, then you're kind of deemed the outcasts, right? It's not that they're the popular duo. Oh, that's kind of true. Thing. I never thought about you that. Know what I mean? That's true. Like you always have a group or quote unquote posse. Yeah. I imagine that there's some PC things that I should be saying that, and I apologize. But I guess like the more I've grown up, quote unquote. Um, the more I realize that that might not be actually sustainable and not as realistic. Like, it's not quantity so much as it is quality. Well, also, there was no pandemic when Bratz was made. You can't have that however, sort of... However, there was a pandemic when Wings Fate Club was That's fair. Made, so I just want to bring that back the second That's time. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I will say that, like, the pandemic changed how that dynamic is, I think, in my life at least. Mm-hmm. Like, I would usually hang out in bigger groups yeah. before the pandemic um not anymore now it's literally one-on-one quality time all the time proven by the fact that the people at the abbey know us by our first names yes we will discuss that <laughs> later um but i guess the the piece that i still want to kind of circle back to is this idea of the pandemic in particular i think has forced a lot of folks to really examine relationships i think in the fact that if you're like how one how much do you trust friends and two like perhaps realizing that the company that you would keep were very much circumstantial like they're your going out friends but would you feel comfortable having one-on-one like walk with them especially knowing that not only is there the awkward af one-on-one time which sounds terrible to me but you also have the associated like health risks right like that's something that we can't like, that's a new cost, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. I think we were forced to make these choices. And it's, like, it was harsh to have to literally pick yeah. who are the friends that you trust. Or you trust that they are taking precautions the same way that you are. And they have the same kind of, I don't know, just level of safety and, and all these things. Um, I will say the opposite is true as well, though. There are people who pre-pandemic I thought were just my going out friends mm-hmm. or my dance class friends. And the pandemic has really really strengthened our friendship that it's truly like become like you said like a much more quality yeah um friendship and vice versa like there are people that i used to see all the time that pandemic hit and really we barely interact because the thing that grouped us was a lot more 
like a social interaction, mm-hmm. um, you know, that requires that dance places are open or bars are open or whatever it may be. Yeah, and, and I hate for folks to take this fucking global pandemic um, as that type of, like, friendship test, right? Like, are they really my friend? Like, if they're not doing X, Y, and Z, like, are they really my MySpace top eight? Um, <laughs> MySpace. Oh. I feel like, in all honesty, like, seeing some of that commentary, especially, like, what, earlier in last summer and now that we're hitting almost like a year of this like version of lockdown quarantine stuff um it's almost forced me now to stop compartmentalizing my social life and just being like my life life like my friends aren't just members of my social life like I need to make sure that as I'm becoming um old that I just incorporate that into my life life like I don't know you lost me at life life. I will as, I will be honest. Like as the queen of bento boxing, I used to put everything so cleanly. Like you have work life, you have social life, you have family, and I really never liked those to touch. Um uh mainly out of fear that if I fuck one up, at least I have the other two. <laughs> um but moving here has really forced me now. And also like I got burned in New Jersey. Like I realized how many of my friends that I do believe are true friends really were because of work. And that's something I talked to you about recently. Like I'm nervous again because all the folks that I know here and that I'm friends with in Boston are people that we work with. But one was kind of by choice. This one wasn't really by choice because you moved to the city in the pandemic. So it's really hard to meet people out. Like you meet work people and then maybe you meet their people. Their people. And then that expands. But I think the circumstances are different. But yeah, I I hear you on the bento boxing. I think even now, as much as I do want to see it as like life-life, as you've coined the term. Life-life, yes. Life-life, that's my new favorite term. Um, it still happens, and I think it's okay. I think some part of it is organic, whether it's to protect the different parts from each other or whether because like I sometimes feel like I'm a slightly different version of myself in, in all of these like situations yeah. and not in a bad way, not in a way that I'm hiding some part or right. like, but just in different level of comforts, different interests come out. And I like that. I like that I get to be all these different things potentially on the same day. Whereas if I mix everything together, I just feel like I'll end up hiding a lot more of myself potentially. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that. No, I think that's fair. Um, I, I do. I think you mentioned that point of like uh, getting a chance to wear different hats right it doesn't mean that all those hats aren't yours right it's just that you choose to show up in different capacities with different people and in different situations yeah I think that's fair and then that's something that I need to think about more because I feel like it's like an all or nothing sometimes and that's incredibly dangerous as proven by my current status of life what is your current status of life I feel like now I'm pending like pending (laughs) (laughs) but I don't know I mean again the whole point and I like this idea of like I don't know friendships aren't easy even to people that have a lot of friends and I think that's something that I've always been trying to understand and honestly my friendship with you has really helped to show not only one the amount of effort and care that you put into your friendships um and I think that's like incredibly honorable and it's something that I strive for um but also the fact that Different friendships require different types of work. And I honestly see that through, like, you. I, uh, Carissa has left me speechless. 
on the first one. On the second one, I hope that's a good thing. No, it's an incredibly <laughs> good thing. And I think it's something, though, because we've talked about this. Making a place that you... Like, you've clearly been in Boston, Cambridge a lot longer than I have, but making a place feel like home, especially when your family's not there, and, like, the next best thing to family is friends, and, like, to the point where a lot of your friends become your family. Absolutely. Yeah, I I mean, they are my family here. Yeah. I wouldn't have survived this pandemic without the few people that have truly been around, yeah. especially that I didn't get the chance to go home and travel. Um, yeah. But the one thing I do think is, like, pretty freaking great in particular is that, one, you're an amazing friend. Um, but two, I'd like to think personally that I have transcended, not that it's a tier, but everything's a fucking tier, that I have transcended from work friend to friend friend. Oh, of course. Honestly. And I don't even know what the timeline was, but I was just thinking about this before we started recording. I think you transcended that pretty quickly because I was texting you or slacking you rather pictures of bottles of wine I was a fan of. Yes. And... Who does that to a coworker that just joined that I've never actually met in person? I don't know. So I don't know how you did it. Safe to say it. that this is my most successful catfish yet of my <laughs> 25 years of living. Um, but no, honestly, I will, I will say that like, it's been like an absolute treat to have also like made this little corner of Cambridge like feel like a home. Uh, especially like we have, fuck it, we made it. We have, like you said, like there are people that know our names on this street we patron perhaps too much the coffee shop simons and the abbey to the point where i feel like if we don't go for a week they will miss us we got yelled at by laquan at simons for not going that's true they also notice when because sometimes i do my thing and i just disappear for a while and they notice that i didn't show up with you i do feel like i should give you credit for the status we've got into in our neighborhood because you are dedicated to your coffee runs Oh, yeah. And your Abbey night. So I feel like... And then I'm there by association other nights. It's it's truly because you're out with other people and <laughs> I'm by myself. No, 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 no. That's par for the course. It's what I choose to do. Um, so the one thing I do want to ask you is what is going to be the first thing that you do when things are safe? And again, safe with a giant-ass asterisk because everyone's in different conditions and everyone deems safe differently. Irene, what are you planning on doing I'm going to go salsa dancing. I'm sorry for the lame answer. That is what I'm itching to do. I miss that so much. And perhaps then book a flight home in that order, I think, because I, I don't see how I will do it in any other order. That seems right. Never taking salsa dancing. Oh, I definitely will. That sounds terrible. I definitely will. Well, that sounds absolutely... If you want to keep your status of transcended from coworker to friend, this is a requirement. Don't put me in this position, Rain. We'll see about that. Um, all right, I want to conclude this week's episode with a little bit of just some random questions that I prepared for you. Oh boy, that, I, that look, I'm a little scared. All right. I hope all that right. you are emotionally ready. If you need to, I will wait and you can take a glass of wine. I will do that. Yes, please feel that. free. Stay hydrated, kids. Um, okay, Irene, what was the best purchase that you made during quarantine? The best purchase... I feel like you should know the answer for this. I, I'm sure I've shared it with you. What is the best purchase? I don't know, so I'm asking you. Wait, my couch. We just sat seven hours on my couch yesterday watching the snowfall. Absolutely, my couch. I had a horrible one in my old apartment. All right, so your couch. And what would you say has been the most disappointing purchase of 2020 or quarantine or whenever? 
the most disappointing. Yeah. Is there such a thing? Yes. I don't know. That means that you're wise with your money. I, that is absolutely not true. It's really not true. It's I see our Venmo requests. I'm, I'm just... I'm baffled that I can't come up. Oh, you know what? Candles. I've got a lot of disappointing candles. Yeah. Some of them influenced by you and our brunch choices. So my responses to that would be the two giant-ass candles that you bought drunkenly at Michael's one day. That is the worst purchase that we made. And the best purchase, I would say, is the water bottle that tells you when you need to drink water. Oh, that's true. See, I forgot about that. Hold on. There's the paint by numbers that I also that purchased was... with the candles. That is definitely the best and most disappointing simultaneously. It's still here and please take it away from me. I will never do that. It is a commemoration horrendous. to the money that you spent in Michael's. You're welcome. It was your encouragement. Yes. I sat there as the innocent bystander kind of just like being like, wahaha, purchase this shit. I'm sorry. Um, that being said, I really want to thank you for joining this week's episode. Um, do you have anything that you would like to plug? Oh my gosh, you sound like an influencer. Krishma will be so proud. Um, I would love to, one, note that we're uh, wearing matching sweatshirts, and that's more a plug for you than me, but right. we did accidentally show up to the coffee shop wearing the No Thank You Please sweatshirts, which I think was the best accomplishment of my day. Um but if I can shamelessly plug, I will say the Boston Palestine Film Festival will probably be virtual again because fuck the pandemic. So check us out. We come out in October. Yeah, they do. And also, Irene is just the best human ever. And if you ever need anything, um, you should totally DM her. Uh, or just ask her so she knows all the answers. Nope, we're going to leave with that. All <laughs> right. Thank you again for listening to this week's episode. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can give them to Karishma. Also, Karishma. This is this week's episode. Sorry.